Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Welcome to the show. I am back from the dead. Holy cow, or nearly dead, or at least it felt like it. I don't know what it is. It's got to be as you get older. I get I get sick about once every five years. And uh, I remember the last time I got sick was in 2019, so I'm a little early on this one, but... I definitely was way run down, and uh, I guess when you get older, man, you just can't do that <laughs> to yourself anymore. I don't know. I, jeez Louise, but went to work today, and, uh, you know, I feel feel okay, just feel, like, weak from being in a cold boat all, all three-day weekend long, uh, trying to recover as much as possible to uh to be able to work essentially uh so I foregoed everything absolutely everything else that was uh pressing i e any work on sparrow any uh podcast any youtube stuff whatever it didn't like it just i I couldn't do any of it. I splitting headache and lots of excuses or flying out and i always like to tell people when i hear them uh excuses are the building blocks of a house of failure i don't know who said that but whoever did i love it and i've said it a million times to tons and tons of people that have worked for me and uh i like to say it to myself sometimes that's how much i like that quote but the day is done made it through we hauled out a ton of boats Started this morning, it was 33 degrees, there was frost on the docks, there was frost on the deck of the boat that we had to pull the mast out of early in the morning. I gotta get south, I gotta get south bad, holy cow, I can't abandon the crew up here, uh, at least for another like two, probably three weeks, but like I have deadlines now, um, like I need to get this boat ready to go sparrow's got to be sea worthy and uh re-rigged and ready by the 25th of october so that uh at least by halloween uh if the weather seems to be good i can go for it and uh see where the wind is going to take me and that's what i've i've sort of come as a final decision uh, as far as where i want to go because i've been sort of perusing all these different spots, you know, from Virginia all the way down to Georgia, different marinas and things like that. Cause I, I know I need to be able to work, uh, as soon as I get to wherever the heck I'm going, but it doesn't mean that I can't take quite a long time to get where I'm going. As long as I stay out at sea where money is, is nothing. And it's, uh, there's no expense of anything. Because I've got all these provisions on board anyway, um, and it, it it is probably about right time that I, I I start peeling through quite a bit of that stuff. As as awesome as it's going to be to to be living off of 25 year shelf life food for a while, I don't really care at this point. I need to uh, get rid of this stuff, and I don't want to throw it away, and I don't want to put it in somebody's house somewhere. I'd like to actually use use it because I purchased it so long ago at this point, but 
the whole idea of of setting sail without much of a game plan as far as um, destination in mind does appeal to me. It appeals to me greatly, actually. It's uh, there's there's a bit of a romance to that uh, idea of I'll go where the wind will take me, and uh, essentially what that means for me is I will try and downwind sail as far as I possibly can without ever having to beat to windward. <laughs> because I really dislike doing that, and I will avoid it at all costs if I don't have to. So I think that's going to be the game plan, is uh, Pop Sparrow in. I've got just enough sails and a sewing machine to be able to eke by on that, and... And just go, just go for a long, nice rip. Hopefully some kind westerlies will take me uh, out towards the Azores and then some trade winds will take me south and then uh, we'll see where we go from there. But uh, I do have an inkling that I've I've always wanted to see, uh, I think more than almost any other island as far as stepping foot on it and going and uh, sort of exploring it would be St. Helena. And down in the South Atlantic. And then to add to that would be Ascension Island. Um, so I'm going to have to do a little research about those. But I think that would be a pretty awesome uh, pretty awesome sail to get down to all the way down there. And, um, you know, after it would take probably two months to get there. So uh, so if I left at the uh, beginning of November, I'd be getting there in January. And then uh, another two months or so to get back. February, March. March is not a bad time to uh, kick around the Carolinas for a little bit. And then see if I can get some work. Uh, I don't know. In a boatyard, I guess. That seems to be my skill set at this point. And uh, I don't know. Might be kind of a, a nice little uh, nice little sail. Nice little break from from uh grinding it out uh i don't know i don't know if it's the wisest option you know i i can remember when i finished a trip around the world i made the choice to take off after the summer and uh go down to the caribbean to write the book and some people said that was a really not smart thing to do because uh uh, that was a point at which there was a lot of people that wanted me to come around and tell the story and everything. But uh, I don't know if I wouldn't have done that. I don't know if I would have ever wrote the book. And regardless of the financial aspect of it, I think that uh, the book is something that I'm I'm really proud of and, and glad that I have it. And uh, it feels good to have written a book and, and to actually have people read it and Tell me that they really enjoy it without smirking and lying to me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm still a little bit delirious here. Um, but yeah, so, oh, God, what a what a long day. Just in there and just, you know, feeling shaky still. You know, when you, you get that post, you're, you're feeling better. There's no more fever. There's no more vomiting, all that sort of stuff. I mean, this was like a roller coaster ride. Uh, and it, it, it honestly begun, it began like literally at the end of the podcast with Jade, which I did on Thursday. So last Thursday, so four days, five days ago, I felt I, we, we left the boat and she went down to her dinghy. I had to go check another dinghy and 
I had already, I was like, holy cow, like I'm, I'm definitely getting sick. I can feel it. I'm feeling chills. I'm all buttoned up. Um, you know, it was Thursday, thirsty Thursday, you know, I was supposed to go have beers with Murph, uh, and just went out and said, no, man, I gotta go get some sleep. Came back here, boom, under a pile of blankets, wake up like four hours later, sweating, Oh, sort of stuff, um, you know, puking that night and then getting up, letting everybody know I'm not going to come to work Friday and uh, basically drinking a lot of NyQuil and sleeping for the next couple of days. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the routine at that point. And, and then just drinking lots of water and vitamin C stuff and didn't eat a lot though. I don't know. It was one of those things that kept hearing that old adage of like, and I don't even know if I had it right or not, but feed, feed a cold and starve the flu. I don't know. I don't know if it was that, but I, I don't know. My appetite wasn't there anyway. Uh, I didn't lose my sense of, of taste and smell or anything like that. I didn't, I don't think I had any sort of COVID like, uh, um, uh, symptoms or anything like that. I mean, it was just like every single flu I've ever had, I guess, but, uh, I definitely had a fever for a while. And then, uh, yeah, once that broke, I felt pretty good. And I think after that, it was just, you know, it's just being in this boat and it's cold. I got a heater, but a boat, uh, you know, with no insulation and stuff, it's like 70 degrees, two inches from the cabin ceiling uh but it's it's like 40 degrees by your feet so you're wearing a bunch of socks and i got fans on to sort of mix up the air and finally i just broke out my sleeping bag that's helped a little bit but it's 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 like i'm either either completely completely overheated when i'm trying to sleep or relax or anything or i'm i'm on the edge of sort of cold so man it's just a uh <laughs> it's just a real pain in the in the keister, a real pain in the stern, as sailors would say, uh, being up in Maine at this point when it gets really cold. But hey, you know what? Look on the bright side today. It could have been worse. It could have been raining, could have been snowing. And at least the sun came out and by about midday, it was it was about 60 degrees, which was nice. Tomorrow should be decent as well. Then we're going to start to see some pretty ugly weather coming in, uh, pretty hot. At least it's a southerly, so when it's raining on us, at least it'll be probably 58 degrees, 60 degrees. But hopefully by then, everything uh, will be running hot. But it is pretty amazing how fast you go from feeling like the man of steel, lifting jacks and blocks and all that stuff constantly to, uh, you know, having a hard time linking the freaking straps together on the travel lift because you know they, they do weigh a lot but boy dave and uh jim they made fun of me pretty much all day today unrelenting because you know what the motto is around the yard if it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger and there's no there's no handouts for the week no they gotta toughen me up again and i'm actually kind of glad they did it i gave them a lot of guff back but uh there were a few times where I'm just like, I would be like, you guys are such jerks. <laughs> you know, if I was in your position, I'd probably, I'd probably be like, you know, I think we got the rest of this, J-Rome. Why don't you go, uh, go rest up for tomorrow? Actually, I don't know if I would say that. Who knows? Because we definitely had to haul a lot of boats today and we're, we're already behind schedule. 
we got full load all week long because we got this wind and weather coming in. So that is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I figured, <clears throat> I figured, well, well, I'm still awake before I'm about to go try. I'm going to try to be asleep by seven. That way I can get a good 10 or 11 hours of sleep before, uh, before we start working again, but I definitely wanted to check in on our good old Golden Globe racers out there because I have a feeling, uh, and I'm actually sure because I did look, that uh, they have breached the doldrums and uh, are peeling their way into the South Atlantic Ocean, enjoying the lovely Southeast trade winds. They're on day 37 of this uh, of their voyages, and we still only have the three retirees. So there are 13 people still left in it, and uh, you know the the field is kind of there. Were, there were about four or five racers. Um, Pat Lawless, he's uh, he's one of my guys. I've chatted with him before. Um, he's he's part of this group of about four or five that were a little luckier in the doldrums than the rest. So they have separated themselves by a few hundred miles. Uh, I'd say almost like 300 miles. And then the rest of them, uh, are all just back, uh, sort of sporadically spread out. Oh, and I guess some of them are still in the doldrums. Yeah. Three knots, two knots. Ooh, geez. Elliot Smith is up there. 1.5 knots. Holy smokes. I'm rooting for you, Elliot. Americano. You can do it, brother. Um, so there's still a few stragglers dealing with those doldrums actions. But there are a couple. Um, there's there's like two or three racers that are dangerously close to uh, getting, um, I don't want to say caught up by the Brazil, the coast of Brazil. But, eh, you know, those Southeast trades, when they turn really really south then all of a sudden you don't have any choice if you got to tack and head you know back to the northeast oh it's absolutely heartbreaking i've had to do that before uh to get more easting in because ideally you're you're really far over towards africa when you hit the southeast trade so you could just reach pretty much southwest and head almost directly towards Cape Horn. And as those southeasterlies sort of turn more east and you hit the variables, then you start making your dash south and then southeast towards uh, the Cape of Good Hope. But yeah, they're, they're battling. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm glad that nobody else seems to have uh, succumbed to the isolation and uh, the frustration of the doldrums yet. Uh, which is really good because the doldrums are, they're very difficult. They're not, uh, it's not some like easy peasy little thing just because it's light winds and little thunderstorms and nothing too, too crazy. It's, it's an experience, especially when you're just sailing. If you've got an engine, you know, you can just power your way through it. But these, none of these competitors have that. So they're all, they're all just on their own. But yeah, they are getting uh, closer and closer. I would say within the next week or so, they will be reaching, at least the first uh, few competitors will be reaching the variables. And that's when things will get interesting. Because when you go on to Windy, which is the 
the uh, forecast app that I like to use on the old computer, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's it's not too bad down there. I mean, it's it's still early. I mean, this race, it's so crazy. I You know, I left, when I left from the States, I left October 3rd. Um, these guys left so early. They're already a month out. It's like getting down to the Southern Ocean and entering the Indian Ocean like early. It's just, I don't know. For my money, it's a little scary. I'd rather I'd rather be in the Indian Ocean in December and January and Cape Horn in April. But, you know, to each their own on that. But Southern Ocean definitely has some pretty ugly stuff going on deep, deep down there. Um, but as far as the Southeast trades, everything's looking, you know, pretty mellow. It's uh, not extending all that far down. Things start to get a little wonky uh, right around. What is that? I can't even tell. I got to set this up a little bit better. But uh, yeah, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be cruising in some good good trade wind conditions for a while. Nothing too crazy. Nothing too strong. Perfect perfect sailing. Um. And then things will start to get a little, little, little interesting with the variables because you get the calms, and then you also get these little blusters that that come up, uh, sort of offshoots from these these Southern Ocean low pressure systems. And I'm not sure if they have a certain, they must have a certain limit to how far south they can go before they cut over because I think their next like photo gate. Uh, or whatever that they have to head to the next waypoint is right outside of Cape town. Um, which is another thing that I, I don't know. I just didn't, I teach their own on these races and, and everything, but, uh, I always sort of pictured this sort of race and this sort of event to be a, uh, just no holds barred. Like here's the planet, get around it. And, uh, whoever gets their first wins, but it's got to be kept interesting. It's, I understand that it's pretty hard to uh, promote and sell uh, a race where you don't see the competitors for nine months or seven months or whatever it is. But yeah, it looks like it looks like decent, not too bad. When I do flash forward a little further south, Southern Ocean's still pretty ugly. Um, like I said, it's pretty early. It's springtime in the Southern Ocean now, and uh, it won't really be summer until. December, December, January, February, or really the the three summer months down there. But like the old salts say, you know, you get uh, one good summer down there and three. And I like to think, barring the uh, the two cyclones that I encountered in 2017 and 18, uh, I had a pretty good summer. Obviously, 2018 and 19 was not a great summer. Uh, the first round of this Golden Globe. So maybe you do 2020's not a good one. 2021's a good one. You know, who knows? Who knows? It's all just a gamble. You never know what the, the weather's going to do. But in any event, they're all striving forward. So good on them and uh, wish them all luck. And just remember, you know, if you're sitting there at a table with friends and family or anything like that, toast them. Um, because you know, there's, there's 13 people out there. They're all on their own little boats. They're all dealing with stuff. You know, think about it. Some of these people are having like mental, like challenges as far as 
why are they doing this? Um, you know, some of them could be having breakdowns. Some of them could just be becalmed. Some of them could be in a lightning storm. There's a lot of stuff that can be going on at this point uh, that nobody really knows about because they're just enduring it on their own. And sometimes just uh, acknowledging that fact. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it'll circle back to them by any means. But who knows? Maybe it will. I always like to uh, think that during my darkest moments on on my trip around the world, that uh, people were thinking of me and they could feel my sorrow <laughs> in some ways, some way, shape, or form. Who knows? Who knows? But that's my uh, little Golden Globe uh, update. I'd love to be able to do. Some more of those as far as on the uh, the YouTube channel with the live feed. But, um, yeah, the, the old Wi-Fi is just not working too good up here in the yard. So probably going to have to wait until I get back uh, to a marina somewhere. Uh, in any event, though, I did receive a pretty interesting, kind of a funny email, actually, regarding the last podcast. I had I'd sort of been, Jade and I were talking about some of these just far off islands. And one of the ones that I had I had mentioned was Henderson Island. At Henderson Island, I sort of got distracted, and uh, he called me out on it. I actually I, I gotta get this person's name because I, I don't know. I always like doing that. I gotta if you're gonna if you're gonna call me out, I'm gonna call you out. <laughs> oh man, where is it? All right, Philip. There we go. Uh, no, I appreciate it because I, I, so Henderson Island, I don't want to get distracted again. The first knowledge of Henderson Island that I ever got and Henderson Island, just for our listeners is, is located in the Pitcairn Island group. So it's deep, deep in the South Pacific, way below all the tropical paradises of Tahiti and the Tuamotos and all that sort of stuff. It's way, way deep down there. These islands are spread really far apart. Um, they're small. Henderson Island, I believe, is uninhabited. Ducey Island, uninhabited. Pitcairn is the only one that has a uh, sustained population on it, which are all descendants of the mutineers from Mutiny on the Bounty. And um, anyway, Henderson Island, what, what sparked my interest in that place, and, you know, if I were to ever sail there, it would be probably uh it would just be an old uh, uh, like a personal in awe of this place because of the history of it you know uh essentially it's just a raised as far as i understand it's raised like limestone or coral outcrop you know 20 30 foot cliffs all around it i don't even know if there's any real beaches per se um and it's probably just bushes and then birds and that's that's gonna be it you know and then it just drops straight into the ocean sort of thing so not exactly uh the ideal paradise or anything like that you're not looking at bora bora here we're we're just looking at uh basically a flat little island uh it's only a couple of miles or something like that if that so it's tiny but it's also very pristine, um, touted in um, Nathaniel Philbrook's uh, book, In the Heart of the Sea, as I think he says that it is the one of the most pristine, untouched uh, islands of that type, of this raised limestone or, or coral or whatever it is. It's not an atoll, it's just a, an island, but 
in any event, that's where my curiosity was piqued when I started reading about that, because that's the island that the crew of the whale ship Essex, after they were sunk by the whale, they'd been on the boats for, oh, geez, I, I want to say it was just over a month. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but they'd been out three boats um, and they're literally on the edge of all of them just dying. They're, they're down to their last teeny little bit of water. They're in the vast South Pacific Ocean. There's nothing around them at all. They are lost at sea. And, uh, and like, they're literally, these, these guys are all just collapsing, essentially. Their, their eyes are sunk in the back of their heads. I mean, it's, it's just a nightmare situation. Well, all of a sudden, lo and behold, right off in the distance, Henderson Island. And they thought it was Ducey Island, uh, but it was Henderson Island that they actually peeled up and uh, and saw. And they were, believe it or not, I mean, if you're in a situation where you're starved and you're dehydrated, you're sunburnt, you're scared, I mean, just absolutely terrified, they still were very hesitant to just sail straight up onto this little island because they were worried about cannibals, you know, the indigenous people because that's you know south pacific was was pretty scary for that sort of thing and and um they didn't know exactly which island it was and they didn't know if it was uh occupied or anything like that and so they sort of fired a couple of guns they sort of sailed back and forth da 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 i mean they all must have just been like dude let's just go let's go get me back on that land there's like how to be food or water or anything and so they all land there and that's Essentially, they spend like a week or so there and they manage to deplete eating all of as many of the seabirds that are nesting there. Because, you know, seabirds on these far off islands, they're not afraid of people. They don't they don't see people. So they don't initially they don't run away. They don't fly away. They're, They're taking their eggs. They're actually just going up and clubbing these birds and they're able to eat them. And again, there's 21 of these guys that all come to this. So they got to eat a lot of food, but there's fish and there's crabs. And eventually they do find at low tide, there's uh, a spring that sort of comes out of this one rock. So essentially they have all this stuff, but they really don't have, uh, I I don't know. I, I guess they don't have a frame of reference in their heads, I guess. And I, you know, who knows? Cause I'm not there. I wasn't there. I don't know what life was like back then this is 1820s 1830s i guess you know they're all on this island that's producing water it does have a decent amount of of food in eggs and birds and fish and probably other things from the sea and yet they just devour without control and suddenly the seabirds peace out so that's gone. Um, they're not really having a lot of luck fishing. And uh, and then the tide doesn't go low enough to gather uh, enough water all the time. So they end up just fixing the boats and taking off. And supposedly there were some inhabitants, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years before that, that had lasted for, you know, a century or more on that island uh, with its meager uh, resources. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, I have a feeling that you throw a a crew of whalers onto any Island and they're not really going to think too much about, uh, how long I can make this sort of stuff last. But the other cool thing on this Island was that 
in one of these caves, um, you know, there were the bones of another group of people that had been shipwrecked. And I, I don't know if they ever figured out who these people were, but after, after the Essex guys took off, three of them stayed on the Island and were rescued eventually. And it's sort of like, it's this Island of, of, you know, people that end up getting stuck there and it's not just once, but it's twice. And who knows, maybe even more times. It's so crazy. And just to be able to get to a place like that, that's so far away. Obviously there's no, uh, patrol boat out there kind of, kind of looking around, making sure nobody stops by, you know, it's, it's one of those islands where I, I'm pretty sure you could, you could just sail up to throw the anchor out, go at least swim to the beach, check it out if the weather's good and, uh, take a, take a picture and enjoy like, you know, one night or something there. And then, uh, and then you take off and just have that experience of like, yes, I, I have stood on Henderson Island in the South Pacific Ocean. Uh, I'm one of the few, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. There's something in that that uh, is very appealing to me. So, And that's just one of them. I'm going to uh, hopefully do a little list because there's all these other islands. But, you know, I got to read. I got to reread quite a bit. I'm, I'm really looking forward to being back out at sea and actually having all the time in the world to read and reread some of these other stories. Um, you know, I'm still only halfway through the book about Vito Dumas. Um, you know, I'm feeling terrible. I'm holding on to this book that was sent to me and I, I just, I haven't had the time <laughs> I'm stretched so thin. Uh, but what I am hoping is to be able to, uh, yeah, I'd love to get into some of these other storied islands because, I mean, just just Joshua Slocum's book alone, that one just goes through all these amazing stories about the 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 initial discovery of some of these islands, like Key, Cocos and Keeling Island in the Indian Ocean and all these. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous what went on back then. So hopefully we are going to get there. Um, and hopefully I'm going to uh, wake up tomorrow and feel really good, super energized again, uh, and and actually be able to finish work and then go and do uh, work on the mast, get that prepped and ready so that uh, I can put it back on Sparrow by Friday. Well, it's not going to happen Friday if it's all super windy. I guess I'm going to have all weekend probably. Boy, you know, that schedule just changes, but... It's all right, because the mast is good, and once it does go on, you know, I'd rather have every last little thing fixed. There's a few little details here and there that need to be finished up on it, uh, and it's going to be easier to do it while it's in the shed this weekend, barring coming down with some other illness this week. If that happens to me, then I'm calling it. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to mothball the boat. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, something's trying to keep me from putting Sparrow back in the water. So I'm staying in Maine. At least the boat is for the, uh, the winter. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I'm pretty sure by, uh, by tomorrow or the next day, I'm going to be hundred percent. And then we're going to go back into full till action and, and really just punch it out and get the boat ready and alleviate some of the stress. I've been trying desperately to, uh, to lower uh, the stress level that 
I, I figure that's got to be part of the reason that I got sick anyway was just that I've just been stressing out because I'm trying to get this boat ready and I'm watching week after week disappear, you know, hoping to be able to get like an extra day off here or there and it's just not going to happen. Um, so it's, it's tough. It's, it's very tough. Uh, and when you have an expectation that yes, you know, as October comes, you're going to be able to take uh, a little bit more time off and, uh, and then you don't get to do that. Then I don't know. It's, uh, there's a frustration there and you just gotta, you gotta stop. <laughs> At least I figure that all I have to really do at that point is, uh, stop trying to imagine that I should be getting more time off and just be like, all right, accept the reality of the situation and uh, don't try and control it and work on the boat this coming weekend, get as much as I can done with it. Try and have a little fun, hang out with Murph, have a couple of beers and uh, do everything and anything that I can do to just keep pushing forward. That's the, uh, that's the game plan. So I know this is a short podcast, but uh, that's all I got before I go to bed. So thank you all for listening. There will be more to come. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully we'll, we'll be all sit down with somebody. I'd love to sit down with Murph, just Murph, uh, and do our, our little movie critique. Cause I know he's been itching to do it. I think that would be too funny. I mean, you go to Murph shack has got about 500 movies in it. And, uh, we we're going to try and pick like our top five or top 10. I don't know. And then do our own little critiques. We'll see how it goes. But, uh, he's been in a great mood. I just wish I would have been able to hang out with him. But you know, when you're sick, you don't, uh, you don't socialize when you're sick. Never do. That's not a, a good thing to do. So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, until next time.